0: So, welcome to Attica Shrugged, the show about politics and culture in the South. Uh, it, what's going on this week? So, I am Wes Cheek. I will do a longer introduction in a minute. With me, as always, are David Dykes. Hello. And Chad Watson. Howdy. And our special guest this week, uh, live from Austin, Texas, uh, David Griscom.
1: I'm
2: really happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> great to have you, man. We've been talking about you being on for a while, and... Uh, I went on You Guys' show, which was fun, Left Reckoning. If, if any of you listen to Left Reckoning, it's a, a fun show with uh, Matt Leck and David Griscom. I listened to the Bitcoin issue uh, <laughs> episode this week. That was fun. I don't I don't understand blockchain and Bitcoin. Well, I understand Bitcoin. Like I understand that it's insane. I don't understand blockchain. So I listen to try to understand it.
2: Well, I hope you're helpful. I mean, the, the amount of angry emails we've been getting over the past week have been uh, remarkable. <laughs>
0: Well that's a really dedicated fan base. It's really strange. Like so I've found that the people that are like most aggressive like in my kind of uh field are the um yes in my back the Yembi people. Mm-hmm. Like they go nuts, they go nuts and they swarm on you if you say anything. But I don't talk about Bitcoin and blockchain, but those people seem to be like a similar kind of fan base.
2: Oh, it's it's next level. I mean like <laughs> The thing that's annoying about a lot, not to, we're not talking about Bitcoin tonight, but like the thing that's annoying about a lot of those folks is that, uh, you know, they'll point to like real social problems and like really describe, you know, the difficulties people are having around the world. Right. Um, I mean, you know, you you tend to agree with them and they're like, and the solution is Bitcoin and then I should tune out (laughs) immediately after
0: yeah when i was still teaching um urban studies like i did like one of the last units was on like those bitcoin mines and like china and russia and just like Mm. about like they're the worst it's the worst thing ever you have to it's works is contravening everything good that's happening in another place and you're putting like uh just a giant energy sucking facility out in the middle of somewhere just using like whatever resources they have to make imaginary currency it's insane it's a ticket
2: to the lottery man
0: it well, we all want that. We all want that. Well, That's why I invested this. heavily. Are you heavily have,
1: invested? in Bitcoin? I have friends who are very Bitcoiny. Of course, I also have friends who are libertarians, and uh, I'm—I sometimes am not uh, super big on discriminating about uh, who my friends are. Most of my Bitcoin friends are the ones who don't really preach it at me. Just like my libertarian friends don't preach it at me as much as the average libertarian.
0: Well, well, that's because you're hard to preach at, David. That's like, a,
1: that's a, a people <laughs> to
0: preach at. You're very yeah low on my list. Well, it's kind of like, um, I've, there's a big crossover with jujitsu people too, with Brazilian jujitsu people. It's really weird. Like, I heard more Bitcoin conversation at like the gym yeah. than I do anywhere else. I think it's probably they all listen to the same podcast. Well, it's
2: it's just getting personal here in Austin because while we're having this like tech invasion which has been a long time coming and going on for right. a while but it's feeling very prevalent these days and there's these big ass uh, um billboards around town now there's just like saying things like uh, invest in bitcoin you don't need to understand it it makes money <laughs> and that was sort of the catalyst for me to start realizing the, like okay i you know I can have my own personal opinions about this, but it might be time to start publicly sort of debunking this thing.
0: Right, right. Yeah, but it's already out of control. It's already nuts. Yeah, I think. this real quick. hmm? Go ahead. I was going
1: to say, I think maybe those billboards should have said, invest in Bitcoin. You already understand it. Just start explaining it to people.
0: (laughs) Just go out there and do it. Uh, Well, why don't we do like more long form introductions? One, because we haven't done one in a while. So, uh... Even though I don't think, does anyone who doesn't know us listen to this podcast? It would be great if people who actually <laughs> didn't know us listened. <laughs> we don't ask those questions, man. Don't ask yeah. that question. I'm going to introduce myself to my mom uh, and uh, Chad's mom <laughs> and the ghost <laughs> of David's I, I dad.
3: I don't think my mom listens anymore. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, we drove her off. Yeah, Not enough dog memes. <laughs> Appalachian bear memes. <laughs> is that a new one? I don't know the Appalachian yeah. Bear memes. Well, so uh, here I'll, I'm gonna talk it first. So I'm uh, West Cheek. What is? This? Is there a cat on your microphone? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get her. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I can tell you can tell who has to edit this before it goes uh, up by who lets a cat run around on their
3: microphone. I was trying to I was trying to subtly get her out of there, but. I freaked her out earlier when we were, when I was doing my when you're angry impression. The table. Yeah,
0: when I was doing my angry where, door knock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so uh, my I'll do my introduction. Hi, mom. Uh, I, so I'm <laughs> um, West Cheek. I, uh, I where am I from? I'm from Destin, Florida, the resort the resort town of Destin, Florida, formerly the fishing town of Destin, Florida. Uh, I went to Alabama, Roll Tide, then went to Japan for a long time. Left Japan, went to Tulane, and uh, got my PhD in sociology. And now I'm in Japan at Ritsumeikon's Disaster Mitigation of Urban Cultural Heritage Institute, which I finally said it correctly. But I'm leaving. I'm moving to, to – have we revealed that on the podcast? I'm moving to Liverpool, England because I got a, I got a job. Oh, so, wow. I'll, I, yeah, I'll soon be a scouser in, in Liverpool, England. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a chimney sweep. Uh, <laughs> so that that that's me. Uh, David Dykes, you want to go next?
1: Uh sure. I'm David Dykes. I'm from Rockford, Tennessee. It formerly a place where wagons cross the river and then a factory town for the last. We make um ropes and mop heads. Um which proudly we make ropes and mop heads in Rockford. And Is that why it's Rockford because they cross there? Is yeah, it actually Rocky. literally like Rockford? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't and now know, there's I didn't a know. mill dam there that I think the mill dam doesn't do anything anymore. It used to power the mill, but uh, uh, now we get our electricity from the TVA. And um, uh, for some reason, I left Rockford. I'm not sure why. Uh-huh. And I live in Mexico in San Miguel de Allende down in central Mexico. And um, I'm a uh, sometimes editor and writer and mostly school teacher. Oh, and podcaster. And podcaster, yeah. <laughs> uh, right.
3: All right, Chad. All right. Uh, my name is Chad Watson. I was uh, born and raised in Tazewell, Tennessee, about 30 minutes south of the Cumberland Gap, uh, close to where Tennessee, Virginia, and Kentucky all meet in Cumberland Gap, the original gateway to the west. Um I moved, I went to the University of Tennessee, go big orange, uh, home of, I I went at the same time. If you want to know how old I am, I was, uh, Peyton Manning and I graduated the same year. Um, (laughs) and I have, I taught math. I have taught high school math, uh, middle school math for almost two decades up until last year when, uh, when my school district tried to kill me by giving me COVID and I decided to quit and i'm currently i took a complete 90 degree turn and i'm going to uh i'm in a master's of urban planning at texas a&m so
1: finally going and, the big the north,
3: and i should say and the reason why i'm in uh in texas a&m because i live in the like north suburbs of houston with my wife right. who brought me to texas as they as the bumper sticker says i i wasn't born in texas but i got here as soon as i could
2: we'll forgive you
3: yeah, which is not actually true. It was more like uh BA Baracus, the way they got BA Baracus <laughs> to go on missions. I just my wife gave me a milkshake and uh next thing Texas. I knew, I was, and I was in Texas.
1: <laughs> you woke up on the plane.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. You keep trying to get out, but you should be across the border, you wake up. I've
3: been try I have been trying since 2005 to get out of this place, but
0: <laughs> All right. So David Grissom give us the the backstory, the David Grice's backstory. I don't even Yeah. Know. yeah.
2: Uh, my name's David Griscom. I mean, what do I do? I mean, I, uh, I run a show, a podcast uh, with my friend, Matt Leck, called Left Reckoning. Before that, I worked with my good friend, comrade, and teacher, uh, Michael Brooks, on his show, The Michael Brooks Show. I also do videos for Jacobin Magazine. Um, I'm from Austin, Texas, in the central Texas area. I went to high school in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, I so know. I got a little bit of a, you know a couple different parts of the south. Under my belt. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm back here in Austin, Texas uh, today. Uh, Back, uh, you know, my my hometown or my home community after, you know, about a decade away, which has been very interesting to sort of come back through all that.
0: Yeah, I didn't really, you know, we have a Myrtle Beach connection. <laughs> Myrtle Beach connection. We, <laughs> oh, we no. know a good realtor at Myrtle Beach and also an exorcist, if you ever uh, want one. Oh, and damn. also <laughs> a vice presidential candidate. He's yeah, a, also, uh, yeah, I was so going to say, yeah, a Grand libertarian vice, vice presidential president. candidate. Yeah, <laughs> um, Spike Cohen.
2: Uh, we've... Uh, I mean, you know, there's we're, we have a lot to get to tonight, but boy, Myrtle Beach is one of the weirdest places I've ever lived in my life. Uh, I was about to say that
1: Myrtle Beach was very atypical for the South. And then I realized that actually maybe that's not as true as I wish it was.
2: In in fairness, in fairness, you know, just to make my biography correct, I lived in like North Myrtle Beach, Loris area, um, which is a little bit more traditional, like South Carolina low country. But boy, yeah, I mean, no, Myrtle Beach sort of represents like a, a version of the South that I think is like the South sort of like extracted from history. Right. It's like every kind of chain place that we love, like Zaxby's is a big deal there. Um, is like, you know, the sweet tea is not right at this chain restaurant location versus that one. Um, but yeah, but it's also a town that has only really been around for sixty years. So there's not
1: people with like deep, deep roots there. And they've just got a Myrtle car with go-kart tracks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. I kind of like to think that Myrtle Beach is like the Florida panhandle of Appalachia. Like it's like like for <laughs> So we get everybody from Alabama, like, Mm -hmm. and Alabama and Memphis all come down to the Florida Panhandle. I feel like everybody from from y'all's part of the world like rolls down towards Myrtle Beach, and so you kind of get that weirdness. You get a little Appalachian weirdness with the beach weirdness mixing in together.
3: That was our spring break stop.
2: Yeah, Myrtle Beach. (laughs) It's a
3: cheap town,
2: man. But I gotta say, not to take anyone the shine off of anybody's like nice summer trips. Very dark place. You know, like the lifers there. It's a a rough town, unfortunately.
0: So there's that one excellent and completely depressing movie that I can never watch again, Ruby in Paradise, Ashley Judd's finest movie. It's about Panama City Beach in Florida in the Mm -hmm. off-season. And it's just a dark, sad movie about how depressing it is to live in the Florida panhandle during the off-season. But the kind of irony of that movie is that now it's kind of nostalgic because there is no off-season anymore. Mm -hmm. There is no down-season. Now it's tourists, like, all through... November uh, tourists, February tourists, March tourists. There's no there's no downtime to tourism anymore. So, um, yeah, interesting. So I had a whole list of things to talk about today, but we can talk about tons of other stuff. But I have a completely random thing that I wanted to start with. Because I know, uh, David Griskin, you also like country music. So uh, I'm going to bounce this off of you guys. So I was, I, I can't remember when this week. I think I was out running or something, and I got garth brooks uh friends in low places stuck in my head and i got it stuck in my head but i realized i couldn't remember the first like line of the song and it was making me nuts like all 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 week uh did you just get it chad you were looking up like you no
3: i don't yeah no no that's gonna drive me nuts. now that you mentioned
0: it i can't think of what the first it's a uh, blame it all on my roots i showed up in um, boots and ruined her black tie affair yeah, right but yeah but it builds to this scene, this first scene in the first verse, uh, where I guess I guess he's going to like his ex girlfriend's wedding or something. Uh, the last one to know, the last one to show, was the last one you thought you'd see there. Okay, so here's the the part I want to get to, and I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. Now I want you to picture Garth Brooks for a minute. We're all familiar. With Garth Brooks, the person—he's like a
1: big giant baby, right?
0: He's like a giant baby,
1: <laughs> in, like a multicolored
0: cowboy shirt, right? And like yeah. seems like a pretty like nice guy. Like Garth Brooks is a pretty affable guy. Like he could probably like get along with Garth Brooks. If Garth Brooks showed up anywhere and took your glass of champagne, would you have like fear in your eye? From I don't North think
2: North. so, yeah, exactly He's a non threat he's a big guy though But he's a non-threatening big guy, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: he's like a lot of like the country guys That look like giant babies that you run into He's <laughs> the giant baby version of a big country guy So but, I, I think
3: huh? Well, I was going to say, like, I think Tom Sharplane Said that he looked like if like a guy That was like a car He he worked at the car dealership And he went on his lunch break to like the cowboy hat store And like he was trying on cowboy hats yeah. That's what he <laughs>
0: Right. Like he's yeah, he's like a suburban dad. Like, uh, oh, yeah,, uh, that's the guy's dad who like likes to play guitar in the garage, except he got like really famous, right? That but guy, so
2: that guy's always talking about all of his friends, right? All of his friends who aren't showing up right now in low places.
0: At all, yeah, all in low places. But so, the, yeah, all of this his right. friends. Super thing, dangerous friends, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but he's not really like a my cousin has to hold me back kind of guy. He's kind of like, a, mm-hmm. hey guys, what are your plans for the evening kind of guy?
1: But, Do you know if he wrote the song?
0: No, he didn't. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Um, some guy named like Buckeye Gentry or something wrote the song.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy will take my champagne.
0: Yeah. Earl Budley and Dwayne Blackwell wrote the song. Uh, and I don't I'm not familiar with them but so oh no I just looked up <laughs> Earl Budley looks like uh looks like a clown a clown that does balloons he's got like frizzy hair and a and like a Kurt Warner uh, shaved beard like floby beard um but here's what I'm getting to with this. Here's what I'm getting. But I think this is like archetypical of like this this some kind of like country definitely a country music vision, but also like this kind of bourgeois conservative vision of America where you're gonna show up and somebody's gonna be afraid. It's like the end of every like Marine Todd story, right? Like mm. and then I said, Hey buddy, uh God's still alive. And I saw that teacher. I saw how they look scared to me. But like the 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 funny thing about this is like there isn't really that supposed person I don't think exists that much. That person who is scared of Garth Brooks, like they don't, like they don't, if someone showed up at your wedding and took your glass of champagne, you'd be like, what are you, What's who, what are you doing? What's happening here? This is strange, right, but there's no fear. But I feel like this is, I extract, this is all, this is a problem when I go for a run. I was thinking about all this and thinking like this, but there is a gigantic group, I think, of conservative, mainly men in America who are really, really bourgeois, no one's scared of them no one's scared of them but they're looking for this person this audience mm-hmm. who it's a person who's going to be scared they're i saw the fear in his eye when i told him uh i don't want critical race theory taught in this school district and so like it's they're kind of projecting this onto an audience of people who are just kind of befuddled by their by their appearance somewhere does this make sense am i losing my mind
1: no i think you're right i mean i think a lot of um Sort of the mythos of uh, redneck America is about intimidating masculinity, but I mean, I guess so. I don't know. I'm not an easily intimidated person. I mean, well, I not mean, as, because I'm not because I'm a badass, just because I, I I'm a freak of nature, and right. kind of a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should explain to David Griskin <laughs>
0: that David Dykes is a is a is a gigantic human being, so it's quite right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean.
2: It's funny, like, I mean, there's two, like, so I think even uh, like a better example of this might actually be like Hank Williams Jr., right? I who I had the like- pleasure of seeing live very recently. And oh, Hank wow. Williams Jr. is, by the way, for people, I'm sure people know who he is. But like, if you're not familiar with his like politics, I mean, full on reactioner all it's over noxious, the place, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I will say I like the music. The show was a great time. But the whole thing was like... This guy was on stage and the, you know, the, the you know, it was a packed show right here in Austin. Everybody is just like worshiping him like, hell yeah. He comes out on the stage and he wears a hat that just has an icon, right? And he kept <laughs> on changing his hat throughout the night, which I love. But it was like a super cocky thing. But yeah, the subtext of the whole thing was that like all these people are coming for me. All these people are like right. denying how great I am. But the entire show, he's just talking about, like, I won the CMAs in 2009, 2010, 2011, right? Like, you know, telling about all these things that he's won, talking about how he, you know, wrote the Monday Night Football song, which is his big thing. He's still pissed right. about that. For people who don't know, yeah. he wrote the Monday Night Football song and they took that away from him because he said Barack Obama wasn't born
1: in the United States. <laughs>
2: Hank Williams Jr. is still pissed about that, right? That's why I I guess what I'm saying is like, well, it was a funny moment where it's like, I liked it because it was an interesting performance, right? Just to see somebody honestly like melt down a little bit on stage (laughs) and the music's fun and the show is fun. I was having a good time. Um, But yeah, there was this insane kind of perceived grievance. It's like, yeah, you might have, I don't know. I'm sure losing Monday Night Football is like probably not the best thing for your wallet, but like this is still somebody who is very much celebrated in a lot of parts of the country. This is somebody who makes a shitload of money, and this whole kind of thing that like he's too scary and is sort of being canceled and put away. I don't know. It's a pretty classic kind of you know yeah conservative white male shit.
0: Yeah, Definitely. and when you kind of see you see where like kind of uh, Trump uh, got in there on that because it's feeding directly into the you know even though everything in my life is pretty smooth uh, i'm still aggrieved about it except for hank williams jr did fall off a mountain and break his face so he should be <laughs> upset about that yeah but
2: the dude well, also owns like a massive ranch out in wyoming yeah he does. <laughs> you know, and like property all around the country which is a lot more than most of the people i think of the audience could say you know
0: right I mean? and was born to a, a a country legend i mean you know under difficult yeah. circumstances but is the child of a, of a legendary legendary figure Sorry, David Dykes, you were saying something?
1: I was just asking if the mountain he fell off of was an alp. (laughs) I don't think it was. You didn't didn't watch the- He didn't fall off Rocky Top, I don't (laughs) think. He, but
0: it was. You remember the TV movie, the Hank Williams Jr. story TV movie, where he fall. We used to. I feel like I, I used to do this bit all the time. He falls off the mountain, and then the kid he's hiking with looks down like, "Hey, kid," he's like, "I broke my face. I broke my face." Starts, broke my face. <laughs> and that's how he wrote no, the Monday no, no, Night one.
3: Football theme song. That's
0: how he yeah. wrote it <laughs> on the
3: way down. Which, oh, you I've seen him? I saw him perform the Monday Night Football theme song, like when the Tennessee Titans were playing, and it was. So I was in the very we were like in the nosebleed seats mm-hmm. and we got them to see the they deployed like a like a like a falcon and like he came out and he had like a falconer's glove on and there was like a falconer with him like helping him kind of like easing <laughs> him out but then he they released the falcon and the falcon flew down and landed like on his falconer's glove <laughs> and then he said ladies and gentlemen are you ready and I'm then he called the up. showman yeah, and I was like, "That's great! Like we can go home now."
0: <laughs> he grabbed the microphone as the Falcon was descending and said, "Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the Falcon cannot hear the Falconer.
1: <laughs> Things uh, fall I apart. The center cannot,
0: cannot hold." <laughs> he was just doing his Yates bit. That's
1: uh, see, it was his <laughs> well, Yates, Yates rendition. I think uh, you mean Rowdy Roddy Yates. No, Yates. that's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Roddy Yates.
0: Oh. that was somebody we know david that's not anybody. Yeah. Who oh, okay
1: <laughs>
0: oh no rowdy yates was uh was clint eastwood on um
1: oh that's it yeah on uh Guns wagon, Guns train. Train. wagon train 100%. rawhide rawhide that's it <laughs> rowdy yates there we go yeah um yeah i don't know i mean uh, are you ready for some football are there a lot of lyrics <laughs> to that song <laughs> no, it was not a piece of art. <laughs> was, I mean, know. I don't. I'd, I'm not as familiar with Hank Williams Jr.'s uh, body of work as I might be. But it talked uh, about
3: all our all my all my rowdy. Well, there was the, he had all my rowdy friends, but it, w- it was similar. That like was it sort sounded of plagiarized
1: up- from his own song, right? It was a
0: crossover. Yeah, really. yeah, it, it was a mashup.
1: Well, the, the worst thing when oh, it comes okay.
2: to like things that H- Hank Williams Jr. did, like with his like classic songs, was when he was a big supporter of John McCain and Sarah Palin. And he rewrote, which is one of my favorite country songs, frankly, Family Tradition. And he uh, rewrote it to become, uh, to be, became Palin Tradition. And I, I don't have the heart oh, to man. recite any lines from it, <laughs> but it is the <laughs> most pathetic thing you will ever hear in your life. Uh, one, like, just musically the lyrics are bad, but like, two, when you remember what he's like talking about. Getting um,
1: high.
0: He's it, talking about getting high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's that's so funny because i was thinking of that as kind of a pair song that song pairs very well with friends in low places they're hitting on a very similar thing in country music which i think is the good the good thing it's hitting on which is i don't need all this other stuff because i got this this Mm -hmm. thing that i do which is go even um uh low places talks about getting stoned at the bar later i'll I'll be as high as that ivory tower you're living in
2: well brooks is a liberal too
0: he is, yeah. That's why, yeah, it's interesting. but you know, at least he's for a country Trump music
1: guy. He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's not a radical
2: socialist. He's not joining us on the barricades. But, you know, he'll vote for <laughs> Obama. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he thinks Betta is a good guy. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the whole thing about uh, badassery and people being afraid when you walk into the joint or whatever. Um, so many of these kind of celebrities who end up Backing authoritarian uh, people like McCain and like uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the Republican Party, or even to a certain degree, the Democratic Party. Um, They're people who kind of made their career being anti-authoritarian. Like, look at fucking Mm -hmm. Ted Nugent, who uh, is like, has always been a pretty sorry excuse for a human being. But um, I didn't expect him to actually go full bootlicker. And he mm. pretty much is, but he does it in his own unique, um, uh, grotesque way. But he's he's a bootlicker, and uh, he started out being so anti uh, uh, so anti authoritarian. And I was thinking that um, uh, if that ain't country, you can kick my ass or you can kiss my ass. David was uh, Hank Williams Jr. But it's a hey, David Allen Coe, yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, he has a lot of like, uh, why do you drink uh, uh, song and stuff like that, that is about being in people's face and being rebellious. But, you know, it's like, uh, finally, I think, I don't know, there's something there about how everything sort of contains its opposite. And the, the egomaniac has the, fragile, the most fragile ego. And the person who is most anti-authority and most resentful of authority is just waiting to buckle under.
0: Well, We've talked about this a lot on here. That's kind of, and bringing it back to Southern stuff, it's kind of an archetype of Southern malehood, right? We have these two things where it's the complete anti-authoritarian who's the, also the complete bootlicker. Right, who is completely like no one can tell me what to do and then immediately seeks out like whoever tells them exactly what to do. Right. And we talked about in Kai Erickson's uh, the, the my favorite um sociological Everything Kai in Erickson's, his path. Everything in his path, he talks about this kind of duality of Appalachia, right? Where it's the completely independent person until anything about their environment changes and they're the complete dependent person. Mm. Or they talk up their independence all the time, but they rely on each other completely, right? It's the kind of dialectic of i think that probably applies broadly across lots of people but i think there's a particular like one for for uh southern manhood that's that are my dialectic of southern manhood are you burt reynolds or jerry reed like which are you burt reynolds jerry reed i'm definitely gonna go right but i you know and that's we've talked a lot i know in personal conversations about um uh, a country boy can't survive and like what kind of that song is like the archetype, right? Because it's complete horse shit for one. Like, I don't think (laughs) Hank Williams Jr. could like live in the woods for a day. Right. But and also, it's supposing it's idea of the city is New York. Like, Oh man, I know a guy who went to New York once he died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For like $5. I'm And
2: going to find, I'm sorry. Like, I, Hank Williams Jr., I saw him very recently. I do not think that in a kind of physical confrontation with somebody who is stabbing folks for you know for money in New York, <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. is coming out the better out of that confrontation. Just right. right well, the whole color, idea right? that
1: he might in some way be a country boy. It's like, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. like Nashville isn't <laughs> New f- York, but it's still Nashville and it still has <laughs> <six> Brentwood. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he's isn't he from Brentwood? I don't know where he's from, but uh uh you know, it's that's like, the
2: thing about Hank Williams that's so wild is that, like, th- he's a rich boy. Um, you know, I know he has, like, his, you know, I got, you know, it's the law, right? Hat tip to Hank Williams yeah. Sr., right? And he's the king, right? But... As somebody who grew up, you know, single mother household, I don't have too much patience for like daddy's boys. Right. And Hank Williams Jr. is like the epitome of that. Right. He's gotten all of the opportunities that he's gotten in life because of, you know, who his father was. And again, that relationship is tough. I'm not saying those things can't be difficult for folks. Um, But this is not somebody who was like, I don't know, pushing their way into the scene. This is somebody who was born into the scene and was able to make. So all of his kind of badass shit. Um, it's always been very funny to me, especially because when you go as I just said, like I saw a show like two months ago, half the show was about his dad, like half, like he was playing Hank Williams songs. He was talking about how all these people would pay respect to his dad. And like, I think that's a great thing as like being in the audience, but as a kind of, I don't know, not to be too much of a, to, to, you know masculine about these kind of things but as someone you know it doesn't seem to be very masculine to be talking about how great my daddy is all the time if you're trying to say (laughs) you're the toughest guy on the block right
0: right yeah no no uh i feel i should know for the record when i was used to drive from destin to tuscaloosa to go back to school at alabama i drive past the birthplace of uh hank williams in georgiana alabama it's a nice little spot they have a little house museum there um yeah no i mean i think that's but that's the archetype I mean, that but you bring up one thing i do like about country music too which is the the, the a lot of it is just this funny performance of of masculinity right like, and in some ways it's kind of winking at that like it's like i i don't think garth brooks thinks he's a scary guy i don't i think hank williams jr probably knows he's a little bit ridiculous right and mm-hmm. I, yeah i know we've um we've talked before about your favorite or your favorite country song is uh you don't even uh call me by my name right which is Written by a dude from Chicago and is is in like ninety-five percent a joke song, right? It's a joke song about country music. But when David Allan Coe plays it, it doesn't sound like a joke, right? It sounds like, well, it is funny, but it's like uh you know, it's it's a meta conversation about country music, right? And I think country music is very good at doing that, about being kind of meta about itself.
1: Well, and it's a joke that you can only get if you love country music and know who he's right. talking about and what he's talking right. about. And right. and get you can't get the joke if you're not somebody who has spent some time with country music, at least.
0: Yeah, I don't want to go into like a 30-minute discussion of that song. Well, I actually do, but I'm not going to. But like um, <laughs> one thing I love about David Allen Coe's version is when he's doing the verse about You Don't Have to Call Me Brohag and You Don't Have to Call Me Charlie Pride. Is that he, you know, he kind of sings the part kind of like those people. Like he, he sings You Don't Have to Call Me yeah. Charlie Pride. Yeah. yeah, he does like Charlie Pride, which is really hard to do because Charlie Pride's a great singer. So um I love that section. I love David Allen Coe. And this goes back into our our meta theory about the South is that Ohio is actually the South because David Allen Coe is from I Ohio. would you know,
2: I think earlier in my life I probably would really fight against that idea. But yeah, I think especially in in like uh, remembrance and honoring of I He's still alive, but he's yeah. a complete wacko right now, Dave Allen Co. Um, yeah. His later years have not been kind to him. But well, did you um, expect I, him to be? If you looked at his earlier career, do you think he's going to age
0: well? <laughs> no,
1: that's very
2: <laughs> true. But I mean, like kicking people's asses at casinos and stuff—that's a—that's a pretty low. Right. Um, right. Anyway, um, no, I, I think that th- there is something about Ohio. I mean, I've just been learning as someone like you know, I'm I'm, I'm from Texas, and then I went to high school in South Carolina the South sort of expanding in front of me in my life, if right. that makes sense. Um, and like starting realizing, for example, like there's, I had, I shared a lot of similarity with folks, for example, from like Western Pennsylvania, um, which was also like a, I don't know, not something that I'd ever considered to share those right. at least history or if not culture. Um, but I've met many folks from that part of the country who <laughs> to me sound uh, pretty much the same as a lot of people you know, similar to the people I grew up with. Yeah, Larry Daryl and
1: Daryl are—they might as well be uh, Otterary, from Otterary South Carolina, Otteraries. or from Texas, or from <laughs> yeah. Tennessee. You know, it's—I uh, yeah. uh, think the line is increasingly urban and rural, uh, with suburban conservatives siding with rural, even though they have very little in common with them, That's true. and suburban liberals siding with urban people, even though they have very little in common with them.
0: Yeah, well, it's the, you know, we talked about before, it's the David Cross routine on the redneck accent, right? Like, I'm from Anchorage, Alaska, and this is how we talk up here, right? It's just, it's pervasive. It's pervasive because it's a cultural thing and it can be passed around. so let's, let's talk to, cause I have that as my next topic on here. So that's good. Uh, so we do a lot on here. We've done a lot with, when we have guests on and amongst ourselves, we're trying to like draw some kind of border around the South and figure out what is the South and what's not. And I should be clear in that. Like, I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think we're ever going to have a clear answer. There's not going to be like, I nailed it. It's just, I think the conversation, the question itself kind of points out interesting things and leads in interesting directions. So, um, I'm curious, is, well, there's two questions inside of this. Is Texas the South? And then is Austin the South? Wow. So um, David and I both used to live in Austin. We lived together in Austin on uh, Joanna Street, yeah. right? Joanna Street, David? Sorry? South Congress. Joanna yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah, we were, we were, we over. We, oh, we talked about that too. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that when I worked at Magnolia Cafe South. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we, I'm sure we have thoughts on, on, austin south and i wanted to balance it off you so you're from there is austin the south and is texas larger larger sense the south
2: well maybe let's start with texas then we get to austin you know and and just like biographically like so i i grew up in austin but i also grew up like um i I also spent years like on a ranch my family's ranch out here in like the hill country right so it's like a little bit of both sides of those two worlds which are very different really and i think even more so today that distinction actually matters a lot more Um, I—I mean, is Texas the South? Obviously, it's a little the 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 cheap and easy answer. Everyone loves to say it's like well, Texas is its own thing, right? Um, I—I mean, but so are a lot of places in the South that have like their own unique culture and 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 history. I mean, is is Florida the South? I mean, Florida has a lot of other influences that are are part of it. I mean, obviously, like what is the South? Um, maybe just to, to. put some meat on the bones of that. Like I had fried catfish for dinner from a place that is like the most Texas place you could go to. Right. And for me, that's like, that's good old like Southern food, right. I'm like in that kind of cuisine, the food here is that for sure we have our own style of barbecue, but that's just because we're a big state with our, our own culture. Um, I mean, when we talk about obviously the history and the Confederacy and all those, you know, sorry, uh, sorry aspects of our history, those are things that are very much shared. Um, I think the, South, the Texas is where the South ends and the West begins. And I think maybe more so saying like, what is Texas the South or, or not? It's more that like Texas is this kind of in between cultural and social and historical place between those two things. Um, I'm, I'm really been looking forward to this conversation because I'm curious what you all um, think about this, because as somebody who like, you know, I just came out off of a three year period of living up north. Right. And I was living in New York City. And to them, we're all Southerners, right? So this kind of conversation is just absurd um, to them. So I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to, uh, you know, uh, uh, other Southern folk about this Austin. I think Austin's soul is, is very Southern for good and for, for bad. Um, I think Austin in the contemporary sense is at a war for that soul. Um, The thing about Austin that's difficult, especially today is there's a lot of people who can live here and they could live here for like 20 years. And I actually would say that they've never lived in the South, right? But you can also live a very kind of like Southern experience and all like, cause there are p- parts of Austin that are so segregated from the rest of the state. So segregated from the rest of the city that, you know, you're just, I, I would imagine I haven't spent a lot of time in Atlanta, but I would imagine there's probably a similar dynamic there, right? Where there are people who sort of pass through and they probably didn't really get like a, a Southern experience, you know, other than maybe like going once in a while to like the big barbecue place, a fried chicken place. Um, um, yeah I mean I'm curious what, what y'all what y'all think about this, but like I don't know like for me like where I grew up, what I know about Austin it was very southern. I consider myself to be a southern person, but I know a lot of other people um who I, who who I didn't know when I was younger but have met like later in life who don't consider themselves to be southern at all and I think it I think there's a class aspect to that. Um, I think Austin, especially since Austin has become such a tech hub, such a place that you can, you know, you can be at the top of your career and you land in Austin. People aren't really doing that in like Jackson, Mississippi as much. Right. Um, so like the kind those kind of dynamics, like you're sort of key, keyed into, I don't know, like a national pipeline here a little bit more than other cities in the South, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Well, so David Dykes, you lived in Austin for longer, longer than me. So what what is your thought on this?
1: Well, my thought on Texas is that Texas is Houston's the South. Dallas is pretty much the South, but starting in the hill country and going West. I mean, Texas is huge. And when, like I talk to a lot of people down here in Mexico who are Mexican people, but also people from all over the world who come through San Miguel, it's a pretty international tourist destination and they talk about american culture and i say there's kind of no such thing like there are things that are distinctly american but to say that people from florida and people from washington state are the same culture and kind of the same people there are things that tie them together but not really in a lot of really important ways and in texas once you get west of the hill country it's pretty much the west and east of the hill country it's pretty much the South. I mean, Texas fought two wars to maintain slavery. So they kind of doubled down on Southerness in some ways. I mean, the the, the, the revolution uh, to get away from Mexico was because Mexico had outlawed slavery. And um, uh, not exclusively that, but largely that. And... Um, um, the, then, of course, the Civil War, they uh, fought to maintain slavery, exclusively that, and I'll fight you over it. Um, and um, so, yeah, you know, it's like that there's um, the, all the green sort of lowlands and like the difference between, I have a good friend, uh, an, an Arsenault from, um, actually, I can't even remember. I think she called herself a cunass sometimes. So I think she was from Louisiana. But then her family was all uh, Beaumont and Houston. And to her, that was all the same place, mm. right? Because it's all bayou country. Like you can, if you're driving along the highway, you're still getting Cajun food all the way right up to the suburbs of Houston. And, um, you know, there's it, that's a different sort of southernness. From the sort of southernness Chad and I grew up in Appalachia. You grew up in the Panhandle, which maybe has a little bit more in common with Cajun country, but it's not Cajun country. And so the South isn't one thing. And I think that definitely East Texas fits into the general mold of what the South is and sort of defines it in a lot of ways. And that West Texas, much less so. Because Central Texas is, once you get past the hills, is pretty desolate. Uh, mm-hmm. Area. There's just not a lot of people there. Um, once you get into what I think of as Larry McMurtry country, that's the <laughs> West, uh, where you can sing and, about an interstate uh, junction. Yeah, yeah <laughs> when you're in uh, the the um, bone sausage country and the hog family country, and um, um, even Dallas, the J.R. Ewing country has. Uh, well, Dallas is special because. So many people from up north moved there during the boom oh, of the 70s and 80s that it transformed now. the culture. But still, it's it's. Uh, I think of it as a southern city in the same way that, um, I don't know, Charlotte is. You know, Charlotte's a big southern city that's sort of founded on banking. Uh, and I think of uh, uh, Dallas and Fort Worth as being very similar. So that's my take on it. Uh, Austin itself, I don't know, man. I'm not going to talk too much about Austin. I'm not a huge, I think Austin is a great place if that's what you like, and it just doesn't happen to be what I like. Uh, When I'm being uh, cynical, I say, it's a great place if you like white people. Um, uh, And I don't dislike white people, I am one, but when I was living there and the life that I was living there felt very white to me as somebody who had just moved from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, was about to move to New Orleans, uh, the kind of downtown, uh, Route Maya, uh, little city, um, uh, college campus culture all felt very white in a somewhat self-indulgent way. You know, like uh, keep Austin weird and all of that stuff. I've lived a lot of places that are a little stuck on their own mythology, New Orleans included. Uh, and that's very southern, so I don't know maybe maybe Austin's very southern, maybe it's not, but it, it is also its own thing, yeah,
0: well, Chad definitely have, you, it's also its own thing. you're a Texas uh guy now, Chad, right.
3: yeah, I guess so, after having lived here for sixteen years, I guess <laughs> I'm a Texas guy, I would yeah, I think. Yeah, I think East Tech, like I, I will admit I've lived in Texas for 16 years and I've never been west of San Antonio. So I will. Full oh disclosure.
0: Wow. Yeah. You have not been thinking there. of the joys of Am- uh, Amarillo. Or yeah. <laughs> or Lubbock. Or Lubbock, yeah. Man, I got
2: some friends who <laughs> can tell you some wild stories about Lubbock. I'm just saying, don't sleep on those towns. If you have a guide, you know, you're going to have a good time.
0: Well, Chad, there were fans of uh, 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 MMA Sunday School podcast, the greatest podcast that ever existed, uh, which was – talked a lot about. Was Amarillo? Yeah, it was Amarillo. Uh, Yeah, Amarillo. So there's some weird stuff that goes on out there. Anyway, sorry, Chad. Go ahead.
3: Oh, no. I was going to – I mean, I think Houston is – you know, Houston is the – I mean, Houston is what I have the most experience with. But I think Houston – because like the oil and gas industry is bringing in so many people. Like I went, you know, one of the first, you know, kind of post, I mean, well, we're not in post, one of the fir- first parties I've been to in a long, I almost said the post COVID, which is not a thing, but um, uh, one of the first, I went to this kid's birthday party and nobody like, no, there were no Texas natives at this party. There was like mm. people that had just moved from, like the like, there were people from the Bronx that had moved that had been living here for like five years, you know. There were people from Missouri, Kansas City. Like, no, I mean, I think I might have been the person who had lived in Texas the longest of all the people at this birthday party, um, you know. And it was all like they were talking about their experiences, and like the the parents were there from Missouri, and they're talking, well, this is just like you know, we go down to Kroger's just like we do in, um, H-E-B. <laughs> yeah, H-E-B, like go to the HEB. It's just like, just like everywhere else, but I still think it does have, um, you know, it's still, it's trying like Houston is tr- hanging on to the, to the South a little bit, but it's, it's, it's a loo- like with all the people move and I don't know.
2: I mean, I mean um, I'm, I'm just there's 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 the feels Think Go about ahead. other places, though, that are having influxes of, of populations in the South, too. I mean, is that so, losing their southernness?
3: So I will say this. So Knoxville, something like mm-hmm. day, day, like we, uh, we're familiar, like Knoxville is close to where David and I have uh, lived a lot. Like a lot of people are moving there from like California. Like a lot of people, mm-hmm. like they're having a, a huge boom yeah. of, you know, people moving there for whatever. It's relatively
0: cheap to live there. So
3: it's relatively cheap, you know. um yeah um, as I've heard a couple of anecdotes, people have said, it's not as, you know, it's not as liberal as California. So a lot of Californians are moving there.
0: The bench um,
2: He's in Nashville, right?
0: Nashville yeah. Bench, in a cowboy uh, hat. You know, cause the uh, real, the real Southern town, Nashville.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, yeah,
3: the big cities, I think the big cities are losing, you know, they're losing their, Southernness, well, but I guess when you that get just, out we,
0: in the It's not just big cities though, but I'm from a small town, yeah, 10,000 people and like we've had like so many people move there because people with money want to live in Florida mm. and can because it doesn't matter if their house washes away right, so you know panhandle of florida feels way less southern to me than it used to but it feels way more conservative if that makes sense like we have all these people who have a fantasy of living in the south and moved to northwest florida
3: and that was what i was saying. like the people in tennessee there's all these conservative you know people conservative people say so we're moving to this conservative bass you know this bastion right. of con- you know of of the right
2: or whatever you know yeah, a place so, where we can be free this career, is the worst aspect of all of this shit right i mean <laughs> right, like losing yeah. the culture is one thing but all these morons are coming out here i mean like you know people forget that like you know rove like got famous for like coming up with the texas strategy you know right. pushing texas yeah. to become a republican state not that texas wasn't necessarily conservative right but this idea that like right. you could lean into the suburban like evangelical vote everyone laughed him out and then he changed the state forever right um
0: yeah, Ann Richards was before, you know. That Ann. Richards. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Ann Richards. You know, Ann Richards. Like, I think Ann Richards is a phenomenal character. Again, she's not um, standing on the barricades with us, but she was. Correct. You know, she was at least she could fucking smack down the the right wingers. Sorry, if I'm running uh, a lot of curse on here, but um, hers, Molly please, Ivins. We encourage
0: it, Molly Ivins.
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, well, obviously, well, the, the point is that like Texas actually has this really interesting history of like radicals and, and and leftists at least in like the kind of like almost it's, it's political don't get me wrong but it wasn't like ideological as much in the sense of like we're socialists right but it was like we're standing up for working people we're standing up for the everyday people and that was a lot of the yeah. history i'm gonna say not necessarily the people who were in power um but at least a lot of the folks here And now it's just like and Tennessee, I feel like is another state that's having the same kind of things like all the weirdos from the rest of the country like, oh, this is the place we could come to have like our very specific suburban conservative Republican dream. I mean, and it's a nightmare. Like people make a big deal about the Californians moving out here. And don't get me wrong. I meet them, they drive me nuts, but I'm much more worried about all the people who are sort of populating the suburbs of Dallas and the suburbs of Austin and the suburbs of Houston in the long-term effect on what that's going to be for
0: the state. Well, we talk a lot about it here because I'm from Matt Gaetz's district, right? And so, you know, Matt Gates is a transplant. He's from North Dakota. Like, his family's a North Dakota political dynasty, right? Matt Leck, my co-host, is from North Dakota. I, I, I am Matt is, uh, is a Dakotan. Yeah, yeah. Please <laughs> t- tell him to take him back. you yeah, have to rip um, him about
2: that next time I'm him.
0: <laughs> yeah, because his dad's from North Dakota. He just moved down because he was, um, you know, ripping off Medicare for hospice care is how they got money. So Matt Gaetz's dad got uh, half a billion dollars out of that industry, uh, right after he left, the company got convicted of a gigantic Medicaid frog case. And mm-hmm. his dad's. well, I left them a year ago. I don't have anything to do with it. And then used that fortune to create his own political career and Matt Gaetz's political career but so you get all these transplants in northwest florida a lot of military retirees too because we have a lot of military bases who so they were stationed there and remembered it as being you know next to the beach and not cold winters and stuff and so they moved down from like you know new york is a big place people moved down from like oh we don't have to deal with these liberals we can be conservative here and it's not that it's not that it wasn't culturally conservative before but it mm-hmm. wasn't politically yeah. like it was a new deal it was a new deal area mm-hmm. there kind of thing Like my grandmother remembers very fondly her father voting for FDR right? And that being a big deal is that everybody voted for FDR. My grandmother was really into Kennedy. You can find these photos from the 1960s where all the fishermen in the harbor brought their boats out because Kennedy was flying into the Air Force uh, base. And they had like, you know, Destin welcomes Kennedy banners out and stuff like that. I found an old interview with like a kind of crusty fisherman who now would be like a, you would assume he's a Trump guy. And he talked about how like Kennedy was his guy. Like that was the best president we ever had was Kennedy, you know? And then, then Reagan happens, right? And you have all these people who just retcon the entire thing of like this is this is a conservative area and this is where these are our conservative values. And, it, and it's like, no, we used to have one of the biggest industries in the county was um a New Deal project for this kind of like uh, uh not not like kibbutz like far, this collective farm, a Scambia farm. So it was up in the north part of the county where everyone kind of lived together and and did forestry. And it's like all of a sudden like didn't exist. It doesn't exist anymore. And you know, all the town of Destin was military land that was squatted out by poor fishermen, and the government finally just gave them the land. You mm-hmm. know, and now those people are like, "Oh yeah, well, why would anyone take anything from the government? Like that's not our values. It's like everything, everything here is from the government." Like I don't.
2: I mean, Texas is like not a state that you can talk a lot about. Uh, wanting to get very far away from the federal government. I mean, this is a state that has benefited very much from, it, be it military or obviously, you know, the most famous being NASA, right? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of these kind of fantasies here are 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 pretty ahistorical, and I think the South is really is really it's going to be interesting and and sad, I have to say, um, over the next few decades to see what happens here because. People are saying there's a lot of op- opportunity in the fact that, that like, you can develop a lot <laughs> of the parts in this part of the country that sort of has been disinvested from for a very long time. Um, and that's because the ruling class of the South had very little interest in investing um, right. in, in, in their communities for a very long time. But it also means that there's going to be, I don't know, huge, huge shifts. Yeah. Well, these, like, you know,
1: right, go ahead, well, these conservatives who move in, they don't know what they're moving into. Because yeah. their idea of what a conservative is, is this, yeah, it's largely a suburban, affluent, white guy conservatism with a fantasy about their own masculinity. And they move into like Blount County, for example, where I'm from. And they think that, I, I, I mean, they find out what rednecks use their guns for. And it's not to fight off the federal government. And it's not to uh, defend freedom. Or democracy and it's nothing very abstract it's shooting squirrels and shooting your neighbor if you catch him in your weed patch Ooh. or if you catch him <laughs> with your wife or if you just get pissed off about the fact that his apple tree is dropping apples across onto your property <laughs> i don't know if you know um uh, let me think what's this guy's name uh Some mark pulliam? do you know who mark pulliam is uh david no, he came to Blunt County from Austin. He had moved from California to Austin and he found that Austin was too liberal. Somehow he was surprised by that. I guess he didn't do yeah. his homework and he moved into, uh, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but he moved into uh, Blunt County Damn. and said, liberals are trying to ruin our home here. And it's like, my fucking liberal family's been here a lot. You just closed on your house. And we have a, and just down the road from you is Friendsville, (laughs) which is a a Quaker community, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And they move in and they think that they're moving into this homogenous, like ideologically Republican red area. And for one thing that no place in the U S is homogenous. That's true. Um, Yeah. And then for another thing, uh, not all not all uh, red voters are created equal, and uh, they have different they have a different agenda from a uh, California lawyer who's moving in and suddenly decided that he's the spokesman for the community. Uh, I just it's just nuts to me that uh, uh, the people who just because somebody tunes in to watch you on Info World Wars or mm. whatever. Uh doesn't mean that they uh are gonna bow down to you if you show up in person. Some do, but um well, not- but this Mark Pulliam he wrote this thing in the Federalist just for context. He wrote oh, the boy. piece about how Blunt County is going to the liberal dogs uh in the Federalist and um most conservative voters in Blunt County don't pick up the Federalist at the newsstand, I'll just say that.
2: No, I think that's a good point, too, is like there's a very specific like the conservative movements like fixation on the South is sort of geared to a very specific audience. Right. I don't know. I mean, like I'm not even trying like we all know Alex Jones is the absolute pig. But Alex Jones kind of deranged conservatism is very unique, I think, from a lot of even those kind of more mainstream Republicans. I mean, this is somebody who is very anti-war. Uh, Matt and I, uh, uh, Alex Jones actually has a very funny clip that he just came out with, like, um, where he is very worked up that Stalin didn't kill enough Trotskyists. <laughs> 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 I'm saying, like That's a uh, very special. For example, I mean, Alex Jones is not representative of of Texas. Don't get me wrong. But like, but in it's some a way kind is. of I guess I guess like he's like, going to like,
1: embrace Mexicans because Mexicans killed Trotsky yeah
2: that's true maybe i mean we could send him an email um like i don't know like the kind of conservative fantasy about the it's bizarre i'm just saying like because i've come from the other side right where i was up in new york and like whenever i told folks i was from texas there was always this awkward silence after where they were expecting (laughs) me to either like apologize or to like talk shit about everybody I know and love, right? Were you taking now, the, the, champagne, out you yeah, the, the, the champagne, champagne out of their hand? <laughs> I took the champagne out of their hand and I made a piece of beer in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean- but that's like, but that I think says a little bit more about like I don't know lefty socialist culture in like Brooklyn than anything. Um, I think that that I, I look. I'm a socialist, um, not to get into that kind of stuff, but like I think that they don't that get into the, don't again, get to that kind of stuff on our podcast. Okay. <laughs> the like culture that they're developing up there, I think, is like unfortunately a little bit out of touch. Like, so this is. Um, can I? I hope I'm not interrupting you, but this yeah. is uh,
0: what I wanted to finish on. If we can, if I can give you a, you're already following the prompt. But, cool. Uh,
2: All right. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the prompt.
0: But I'm really curious about this, and I've made this complaint, you know, I largely do a bit on Twitter when I start complaining about these things. But uh, it's very interesting to me To see, like a lot of like podcasts I consume and like, or lefty media that I consume and like, seems to just like have a complete blind spot for the South. And amongst like, you know, as a co-founder of New Orleans DSA, one thing I'm very proud of Mm -hmm. in my time there is like we. I think everyone who works in the on the left in the South sees that the South is your future, and is trying to Mm -hmm. tell people you need to pay attention to what's going on here. And a lot of what we're doing here is really good work that you could learn from. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the bad things happening here are the bad things that are going to happen to you but i see more and this is probably just has a lot to do with what i pay attention to and, and, and consume but a lot of what i see there's more information about like inside like brooklyn dsa drama than there is about coverage about like hurricane ida which is you know are the floods in houston a year ago mm-hmm. which is like that's that's your future guys and like i can't what what is that myopia like what is happening there
2: I mean, the the first answer is like, you know, the most, at least I think covers, the- there's no conspiracy about it, right? And, and the right. first answer is the easiest answer It's like, all of these things are pretty much based in, in New York City, some in Los Angeles, and then current affairs in, in New Orleans and so not to get into that, that world. But yeah, I don't we don't want that to have
0: current- that story right now. Yeah. Yeah,
2: we don't. Have the- but I also don't, I, 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 I this is not even me making a dig at current affairs, but I've never read current affairs have been like, I'm reading the Southern socialist publication sure right? yeah some people there live in the south but i've, I've never felt like this is a southern right. um i got frustrated about it a lot when i was like um you know I, I was living in new york for three years and i was constantly being asked on to be the texas guy to talk about texas politics which don't right. get me wrong i'm happy to do right. but it was starting to get to a point where I was like well this is sort of nuts like why are they asking me to come on when i know that there are very vibrant movements going on there are plenty of folks out there I mean, there's some of it that's social. Um, The thing that really was like, I don't know, the canary in the coal mine was when everybody was talking about defunding the police, right? And that was like the big fight going on in this country, Um, especially on the left, right? That's what everybody was talking about. And Austin has this vote, um, you know, to significantly cut the police budget and was the first major city to do it. Um, And A whole lot of shit happened and i don't mean to get into all of that history right now but like if this is the main conversation that is dominating left discourse i was amazed that nobody would talk about nobody knew about nobody had like conception of it um in a way that i just found to be extremely irresponsible um why i don't know i mean y'all probably have hypotheses that I, i would agree with Um, but (laughs) I, I really, I don't have like a, you know, any smoking gun. I think like, honestly, like the, the simplest answer makes the most sense to me is that like a vast majority of the people in the media scene are from Connecticut or New York state or New Jersey, and then they move to New York and then that's like what they do. And the rest of the country is just sort of like, I don't know, a thing to check in on from time to time. I was, I did not meet many people from the South there. Um, which is why I left pretty quickly because I did not want to be the only Southern person there. Um, you know, no, yeah. it's really dominated by like a, a certain group of people or I, I think maybe do Cause this is like, you know, a podcast where we talk a little bit about the South, maybe to folks who might be living up there. Uh, to do a little bit of self-criticism. There's also a dynamic, too, where you have people who are from Texas or from all these other states, but they, they're they like, I left. And then right. they like turn their backs, right? And then yeah. all those connections just disappear. And I don't know. I don't want to get into trouble here. But like Jacobin put out a piece recently on Austin um, that had some pretty glaring factual errors, which have been now corrected. Um, but it was the kind of thing that happens when you're not keeping up. Well, they put out,
0: you know, I like Jacobin a lot, but they put out a horrible piece on the 15th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, and then Mm -hmm. would not respond to any criticism from people from New Orleans saying, this is absurd. Like, what is this piece? And then, you know, it just kind of went. Uh, And I'm going to let everybody else finish. I don't want to talk over everybody, but just some quick thoughts on it. Yeah, and it's a problem I see too. And I sound—I don't want to sound like I'm complaining or starting a beef, but this was one of my issues with... Well, it was not an issue. How do I frame this? Sorry. So like the Truebillies exist, right? And I think mm-hmm. it's a fantastic podcast. I think they're great. I like them as individuals. I think they put out a great show. Mm-hmm. But it's a show about Kentucky, about yeah. a certain region of Appalachia, right? And I feel like once they kind of hit people thought, okay, that covers the South. There mm-hmm. we go, we've covered it. And it's like, well, no, it's not It's not at all. It's covering a very specific area and doing it really well. But I think for a lot of people outside the South, they want Kentucky to be the stand-in for the South. And that's the South they wanna know. Uh, and one, because it's, it's kind of white for the South. And two, it has a history of these kind of labor struggles that leftists are familiar with, you know, you get coal miners, you get all this stuff, you get union organization, you get all these things, right. But then, you know, I'm, I, I want the triple to be famous, I'm very happy for them, but I want there to be like more right than mm-hmm. that. And this, you know, hey, we're three white guys who host this show, but like one of the the, the one of the things about the South of Me is that it's really, really not white, right? And so yeah. it would be nice to see like that reflected too. And so if leftists are actually care about these issues that affect like a, a lot of people and these issues the extraction economy and how racism uh, facilitates capitalism that's happening in the South. And those are things that you should, I think, care about. Right.
2: Can I just I say, I I, I really that. want to hear what everybody else has to say, but can I just say something really quick sure. on, I think like there's a regional aspect about that for sure. And I'm just saying like, like, like for me, Matt and I is like, why we love, launch left reckoning and weird by no means the solution was like trying to at least do a kind of national show like all these other shows, but that has like a special, I don't know, orientation towards like the South and the Midwest to play. Matt's from North uh-huh. Dakota. Right. Rick. Just sort of not doing the same stories about what's going on in like New York city council races. Right. And covering other things, but we're an international show. Like we're, we're, it's, it's, we're not a regional show at all. That's not our goal or intention. Um, I will say, we try a lot to do regional stories and they don't get much traction. Right. And I'm not blaming the audience um, or anything like that. But I'm just saying that like on top of there just being that kind of national, you know, th- those kind of blind spots, it's also just really hard to build traction for these things as well. Because a lot of the people who are into like left progressive like media, they want to hear about like why, I don't know, cinema sucks, why Bernie's great. Um, you know, and they're not going to get worked too worked up about like pipe, like morally they will, but like in right. the sense of like you know sharing these things, you know what's going on in like Jackson, Mississippi, with like their water system, right? It's hard right. to find a way to get the eyeballs on that. And I think a big part of that though is because a lot of these left progressive communities actually I think are overrepresented um, by West Coast, Northeast folks, and like trying to because there are plenty of progressive and left-wing folks in the South, but actually trying to make those inroads, I think is like something that has to be done. We have to find a way to do it. Anyway, Kristen I'm curious Cinema what y'all from- think, but that's just for, as a pro- programmer, somebody who's trying to find a way out of it. Like this yeah, is the, no, the problem I'm trying to find a solution to.
0: Well, we, we definitely know from our podcast that these issues have a huge, huge audience, just a massive <laughs> massive audience <But> Kristen <laughs> Cinema from Walton County, Florida. Kristen Sinema is actually from Northwest Florida, so you could always work that angle. So I don't know, David and Chad, I I talked over you guys, so I don't know your thoughts on that. Uh,
1: I just, I wanted to say, um, uh, David, you pointed out, you were talking about like sort of people who are connected in New York, for example, who Mm -hmm. want everything to be about uh, New York City council races or whatever. I guarantee you that Knoxville, Tennessee has a higher proportion of socialist city council members than New York does, because mm. out of a council of I think seven, one of them is a socialist. And actually, I think there's New York. Or three. I think three. yeah, there, there's wow. more, but probably more than one. I know that there have been various ones in the past. And it's not like it's not like uh, Knoxville is some sort of hot hotbed of liberalism. It's just that uh, there are people who are doing politics on the ground that aren't about your media profile and one thing and another. Right. Not that those things are completely uh, no, distinguishable really from one friend. another.
2: I don't mean to interrupt you. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think a lot of people on our left, especially like my generation, are really f- focused on the
1: media aspect of the work. Yeah, and a little bit less politics. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's fine. It's like uh, uh, well, and and you know, in local media, well. I think a lot of people in Knoxville for one thing it's a big sea of red and so a lot of people sort of go to the city um um and uh, just to escape from the 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 worst of the reactionary sort of culture around them and so you know Knox County is incredibly uh red but Knoxville the city yeah it has it has more socialists running it than New York does Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that's true in more than one place in the South, uh, that there's a lot of inroads that can be made there. There, There's a ground game that can be built there. You can get more voters of color because most black people in the U S live in the South. And Mm -hmm. yet you would think that that wasn't the case, uh, because of who counts and who doesn't, which doesn't just break down around, uh, race lines. I mean, certainly it does down long race lines but also a long class and education and a lot of other sort of bias lines and so um yeah just that just that uh, yeah I think that uh, it's it's an interesting thing I, I keep hoping that the south um can finally build up a, enough momentum from down below to break through voter suppression and disenfranchisement Mm -hmm. and a kind of hopelessness that the white supremacy that's been pretty um, ingrained in the South since its founding, really. Uh, They have been gendered a kind of idea that you can't have power. And I think more and more people of color and poor people and um, working people are realizing more and more across the South that maybe, they can do something. I think the the um, democratic victory in um, Georgia helped people to realize that. Oh, wait, maybe something can change. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't the complete change that most of us would love to see, but it's a step, and it wakes people up. I hope uh, wow. to the and once we can get felons able to vote, because I, I was talking to my students the other day about. If you're a white kid in the south and the cops catch you with some weed, they dump it out on the ground and take you and embarrass you in front of your parents. And if you're a black kid and you get caught with weed, you have a felony conviction, which keeps you from um, being able to vote, uh, which I think we all understand that dynamic. I'm not sure everybody listening does. But... um, um, criminalizing blackness is part of how you disenfranchise the vote and keep people down. I think that that sort of stuff is so common in the South still, uh, but that maybe it's on the verge of breaking. And when it does, I wouldn't be surprised if the South had a completely different political structure than what it has now.
0: As it should. Um, So we're going to wrap it up in a minute. Chad, did you have anything to add to that since uh...
3: I mean, not much that hasn't already been said, but I think one thing I think about all the people that leave the South, all the people I've known that have left the South. And even I I was guilty when I first left the South and moved to San Francisco. You know, I was like, yeah, forget I'm I'm I live in San Francisco now. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm not from this. And that happened. You know, you're you don't like you moved to New York and you you're a New Yorker now. Like you you live in New York. You don't worry about those are the people I left behind, you know. I worked, I worked my whole life. I worked my whole life to get out of that place. Um, And, you know, and there's a lot of good stuff going on, but also, you know, there's, you know, all the papers are owned by like two or three companies. And, you know, there's like one, you know, there's like a couple of good reporters in Knoxville, all the alternative, the money for alternative weeklies is pretty much dried up. So, you know, so there's no good alternative weeklies anymore. So there's no, there's no good story. You know, if you want to read about the South, where do you go?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, there's a few comment. publications out there that are, you know, like facing South. And what's the other one? I reckon. There's another one called, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's, it's it's you know, there are a lot of like biopics, you know, it's not yeah. daily news, right? Yeah, yeah. even better Southerners,
0: like a lifestyle, a lot of lifestyle stuff.
2: A lot of, plenty of (laughs) a lot of lifestyle. Can I just, do you mind, I know we're we're closing out, but I just want to sort of echo something that David was saying real quick, because, you know, I mean, it's fun to talk about these kind of questions about, like, what states and what places are in the South, but, like, for me like this stuff I really do like believe as as David was saying that like I think that things could potentially change very quickly. I don't know. I'm pretty pessimistic about like a slow march through the institutions politically. Um I'm not really wanting to sit here for 40 years of people trying to like slowly win over legislatures in like New York and Connecticut blah blah. blah. I've always been a big booster that if things can start changing in the south and I think they can it's a lot of work don't get me wrong but they can change quickly. Things can be very different. Like Texas, I'm a Texan. I I have to own that. It's the law. You're born here, you have to own it. But like South Carolina is where it became very class conscious. Uh, You know, I grew up super poor there. I grew up in a minority. I was minority white in like a a, a community of color there. And you start to see the effects of both what it's like to be a working class person, the things that are not open to you, and then certainly the things that are not open to you as, as a black person, a person of color there. Um, and it was a real politically awakening uh, community for me to be a part of. and I'm, I'm really grateful for it because it gives me a lot of um, I don't know perspective as to like where a lot of these impediments are, but also so much damn hope in what can happen. And I think that some people who aren't from here or from those communities, they don't realize just how much appetite there is for change. Um, and it's really starting to deliver to people not just the arguments, That things can be better, but actually sort of say, like, hey, here's the car, here's the vehicle, like here's the thing that can deliver us to the other side. Right. Um, and and I'm really, really thrilled that I think there's a lot of people in the South specifically, but all across the country who are trying to build that. Um, I don't (laughs) I don't mean to be too optimistic. Things are very difficult, don't get me wrong, but um Whenever I talk to to friends and, you know, you hear really rough stories about what life is like today, working, being a working person in this country is a nightmare. Um, but every time I talk to to folks from from back home or even in my community now here uh, back in Austin, I'm always left with this kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a little irrational optimism, though, that like people really do want something different and to prepare for something different. And we just need to find a way to start delivering on it
0: all right i think that's a good note to uh close on so uh thanks uh david griscom for for coming on today and uh come back anytime and talk more about country music
2: yeah i'm happy to all
0: right thanks a lot man um and we will see everybody next week see ya see ya